Okay, ready? Baseball? You ready, Neil? I'm going to have to be, right? I, well, I hope you are. <laughs> Neil! This is your jam. I like the literally, fatalism. Literally wrote about it. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. One day I understand. One day, go see the baby be born and come back. You're a major league baseball player. Did I not tell you? Yes, you did. Oh, see, don't answer. I, this are, these are rhetorical questions because you know I told you and you know I'm not. Analytics don't work, work at all. It's just a no crap to some nothing. people who were really smart made up to try to get in the game because they had no talent. This kid is a gamer. He's a follower. He's a playmaker and a shot smaller. In case you didn't know, I got T-Bowed. He shattered the mold and all he does is win. All, all, all he does is win. Hello and welcome to Hot Takedown, 538's sports podcast. I'm Chadwick Matlin, an editor at 538. With me in the studio, it's two of my favorite people to talk about sports with. It's Neil Payne, Statman Payne. Hi, Neil. Hey, Chad. How are you? How you doing? Neil, he swapped out the Mets hat for a Jets hat. Yeah, I stole it off your desk earlier today. That's your Jets hat? No, it's Neil's Jets hat, which I stole from him. So you didn't steal it off I kind of reclaimed it. Yeah. Yeah. This is all part of um, a a tribute that we're doing for our uh, former colleague, Steve Harper, who is no longer with the company, but he's a huge Jets fan. If he's listening, just wanted to say uh, we love you, Steve. Yeah. We all basically are thinking about watching the Jets for the first time in a long time just for Steve. That's how how much we But you probably won't. Because there's literally no other reason to watch the Jets. (laughs) And also that other voice you hear is Kate Fagan, ESPN W columnist and now a multi-decade devotee of John Starks. Kate, on your Instagram recently, Mm -hmm. I saw that you as a child had something, now correct me if I'm wrong, it's called Starky or Starksy Bear? Starky Bear. Starky Bear. This is a (laughs) Cartoon. You looked like a dog more than a bear. No I offense. I don't know what it was. Oh, you thought it was more of a dog than a bear? Yeah. Uh, but I he's like... wearing a John Stark uniform. Yes. That's how you know. He has a number three jersey that says New York on it. This is an animated York. character you created, Kate? Yes. I <laughs> developed a cartoon when I was 10 years old to honor John Starks. Wow. And who doesn't have like their favorite doodle during you know grade school and middle school that they would populate their notebook with sure everyone everyone developed a cartoon of some sort listeners we will embed this on the show page or the post for on 538.com please rate and review my artwork uh i had a a little mascot that was the orlando magic mascot yeah which was a ball he came to life in a book that I wrote. I forgot. You his brought name. him to life. Oh yes. You injected life um, into and him, and he was a basketball, and he won the day by being good at basketball. <laughs> Imagine Pretty that. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, really imaginative <laughs> child. But yes, I agree that we all had our, our NBA. right, Neil. Yeah, Neil. What were you? What, what was you got? the cartoon that you drew? Oh come on! Oh my goodness! Neil. Um, well, one of the things that I, I rem- am remembering right now is for math class, we had to do something about like, uh, you know, parabolic motion or, you know, so things that in real life contain, you know, physical uh, characteristics. And so I drew a little pamphlet that had a bunch of baseball players in it from around about 2001. So it was like Todd Helton and Juan Pierre and people like that and, and kind of drew, you know, balls arcing through various ballparks that Mrs. Out- Bennett still has somewhere. How did this get somewhere the parabolic motion, it. which I don't actually know what and that is. And how am I still surprised that it got here? You would think <laughs> that we would expect as much by now, Kate. Uh, all right. On today's show, we will not be talking any further about our childhood. Uh, no Todd no. Helton and Maybe. Juan Pierre and Starky, Starky Bear. <laughs> but instead, we'll be talking about Major League Baseball winning streaks and w- whether they are to be believed or maybe believed is the wrong word, but trusted as though they mean something more than what they are. We'll have our significant digit, which will also be about baseball, I think. 
And then we're going to talk about Sloane Stevens at the top of the show since she just won the U.S. Open. But first, a very sad announcement. So sad that I was dreading saying it, which is why we vamped. is what you were doing. Which is why we vamped for so long about our childhood drawing uh, obsessions. This is what I believe to be the third to last episode of Hot Takedown. At the minimum, it is the uh, it is one of the last episodes. We're going to convert this feed into an NBA-only feed. That show will feature our colleagues Chris Herring and Kyle Wagner. You heard their voices, what was that, two or three weeks ago in an episode. Neil is going to be hosting that show. Yay. Neil, Neil are you... Very exciting. Are you, are you brushing off your hosting... Uh, Practices, yeah. You, you know, do you have your mouth exercises? You're looking in the mirror and you're doing some vocal warm ups. I'm just gonna channel my best Chad Matlin, I think. Uh, I'm gonna, gonna wear a lot of plaid. Are you gonna call yourself Neil Statman Payne when you no, introduce I, the show? I don't think so. I, I have the power to revoke terrible nicknames <laughs> when I am the host. I think we will do a full sad goodbye to one another in a few weeks. I'm feeling very sad about it, but for various reasons. Inside of 538, this is what makes the most sense for, for, for us as a, as a site to, to do what, when it comes to sports podcasts. Um, so the NBA podcast still to be named. If you have a name idea, podcasts at 538.com is the place to send the name. Neil, I think, wants to call it Three Man Weave after the practice drill. Uh, assuming podcast McPodcast face is not taken. <laughs> we'll have more to say about the end of the show and, and what comes next in the future, but we didn't want to pull the rug out from under people. Kate was yeah. really nervous about that. All right, so we're going to work on getting um, Charles Barkley onto the show for the final episode, <laughs> oh. as we've been working on all these years. Just Finally. Just to have that final hot take there. Uh, but uh, feeling that... We'll, Wait, uh, but our intro music is the best! Yeah, it's true. we got to put that up online in, in perpetuity. I want that to be the music that plays anytime I walk in anywhere. That's <laughs> what We have to put that to use! Yeah, all right. Remix. Maybe, maybe it can be like basketball remix. The outro yes. music of of the new podcast. Or something it, like Neil, promise us that you will do something with I think that. Chad has more power okay. over this than <laughs> I Chad, do. Chad, promise me. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it under advisement. All right. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, listeners, we're very sorry to announce it, but um, email us at podcast538.com with some ideas about names, and you won't hear the last of us probably one way or another. Certainly not the last of Neil. You're stuck with Neil. Oh, You're thank God. <laughs> yeah, I know everyone is excited about that. All right. Let's leave all of that chatter there and talk about Sloane Stevens. Sloane Stevens, 24 years old, I believe, uh, won the U.S. Open last weekend. It was sort of a, an incredible uh, – it's more than an underdog run. I, it's, it's something very different. Coming back from injury, uh, she was ranked, what was it, 900-something in the world, 957th in the world in July. Now the winner of the Premier American Tennis Tournament went through – Venus Williams to get there, so it's not like it was a, a weak field that she dominated by any means, uh, or a weak draw, rather, yeah. and did it showing, at least according to the announcers, a kind of style of play that she had not shown before. There's a lot made of her mental makeup and whether or not she was as assertive as needed to, she needed to be in order to win the tournament. Kate, as you watched... Yeah. You know, what did you see from Stevens from a play standpoint that that wasn't there before? Well, I think the thing about Sloane Stevens is even though she was ranked 957th in the world, she had been so much higher 
three, four years ago, and there was so much made of the kind of player she could be that it didn't feel like someone coming from like the thousandth ranked position to win a U.S. Open. It felt like someone that we really had, we as like American tennis followers, had put faith in, who then finally was living up to the talent that we thought all along she had. She had beaten Serena Williams, I think, to reach the semifinal. It was in Australia. Was it yeah, in Australia, Australia a few years ago? Um, yeah. And so it's not what you're saying is yeah. absolutely right. And that's why I said it was not quite an underdog story. It's something else. It's like it's like the full culmination of someone's right. arc. I'm trying to think of other athletes who we've seen like this where you felt like they possessed all the tools but at various points were only equipped with like three of the five. And you knew if they ever put it all together, you're like, that person has the talent. That to me is Sloane Stevens and seeing her at the U.S. Open finally playing the way that we thought she could all play. And I believe being the first U.S. woman other than Serena and Venus, to win the U.S. Open since, like, 98 or something. So this, it, 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 so it was both Sloane Stevens and then, I don't want to say coronation, that's too tough, but a real introduction to the talented U.S. women who have been right there below the shadow of Venus and Serena for so long, like Coco Vandeweghe and Madison Keys. Now, you know, of course, there's going to be that asterisk attached to it that Serena was not in the yes. field, and so I think for some people, uh, you know, that that breakthrough, whether it's from Sloane Stevens or any of the the young American women that we talked about making the semifinal uh, at, at once, you know, that some people will kind of say, well, we'll reserve judgment until then. But yeah, I, th- I think that you know this is the first step toward perhaps we, we've talked about with our um, colleague uh, Carl Bialik in the past uh, when we've talked about tennis about how just the younger generation hasn't really kind of stepped up. And, and one of the reasons is the Williams sisters are so great, but also there hasn't been that, you know, transcendent talent emerging from that next generation or maybe two generations, like the next two after the Williamses, uh, who kind of asserted themselves. And so maybe this is, you know, Sloan Stevens kind of making that claim and trying to become, you know, the ascendant uh, talent from that generation. And if so, this was a really wonderful start to it yeah it did seem too that the the media were ready to have someone new in women's tennis you could tell the way that the, the media is always ready right yeah but also i mean stevens i thought you know came off very media savvy in, in her after court interviews her and the very raw emotion when she was playing but also when she embraced madison keys after the after the match, it was the kind of thing that creates what you're always talking about, Kate, especially around women's sports, types of uh, personalities and that will lead to narratives down the line. Yeah, and of course the media was thrilled because not necessarily like the broadcast media who knows that Serena rates really well, but if you're talking about storytelling media, you look at Serena Williams and you're like, number one, what's left to tell? And number two, if there is anything left to tell, is she going to allow you to tell it? I mean, access to Serena Williams is just not something you come by except in press availability, where if you're looking at Madison Keys and Sloane Stevens, you're like, what do we know about them? (laughs) We don't know that much about them. And they're probably going to be eager to reciprocate and build up that next generation for media, for storytelling. I mean, for, for them, obviously, there's a huge upside of it. All right, let's leave it there. Can you believe that her and Josie Altador are like high school class or, or elementary school classmates or something and were are they? now dating? Yeah. They have like, they go way back. Where did this they go? This is not up? a recent thing. I think they both, well, there was a Florida tennis school that Stevens and Keys, mm. they went to two different Florida tennis schools. 
I'm not fully up on my Stevens outdoor goss, but <laughs> I do remember hearing. You brought it up, and you can't follow through. That's true. With all I of like, how did they meet? Studio, cut this out of the podcast. I, if I don't come correct with my with my uh, sports gossip, I shouldn't come at all. Okay, let's move on from tennis. But before we get to baseball, let's hear a word from one of Hot Takedown's sponsors. Hot Takedown this week is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than any other service does. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, Hot Takedown listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That is right, for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash takedown. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash takedown. One more time to try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash takedown. Baseball is in its final stretch run. That means people are trying to divine what's going to happen in October based on what happens in September, perhaps. They should not be doing that dividing, which we will discuss, but... One of the weird things that has happened is that the L.A. Dodgers, who were once on pace to win something like more than 110 games. Well, yeah, they were uh, seriously on pace to threaten the record of 116 wins in a season, the all-time major league record. And all of a sudden, they've lost 11 straight. I was at one of the losses. I was in L.A. last week. And it didn't seem like a team that was like cursed. It just seemed like a team that had... Just not had things click for it. Um, they've lost 11, 16 of 17, all well, not all in September, but many in September. And while that's been happening, the Cleveland Indians are on the rise. They've won 19 in a row, threatening the all-time to, to break the all-time record, which is 22 games set by the Cubs in 1935, I want to say. And so now maybe the Indians are the ones that are sort of the dominant force that are going to roll the way through the playoffs. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to turn to Neil first. Is that, that. I think that's okay that. with you, Kate. <laughs> Neil, here we have two teams who are seemingly locks for their champion for their league championship series. Um, but you're, you can feel free to tell me no because baseball playoffs are random. These are two great teams in two different directions. Does any of that mean anything? Well, so. I think first of all isn't it isn't it kind of interesting yeah that we've got this September in which we kind of thought we knew what the narratives of the season would be and and had spent most of the season dissecting uh, the Dodgers and even the Astros, they're they're kind of a team that's gone backwards as well. But those were the hot early season teams, and the Indians were a team that were kind of struggling to find their way. They had underperformed relative to their run differential. And then now in September, we got this team that was formerly red hot, is now ice cold, and another team that's ridiculously hot. And so I think it does mean something. Uh, I, I have a story that's going to pub on 538 today about how 
the uh, you know September gains in in this rating that we call ELO uh, that tracks you know how good a team is at any given moment in time. Those are real. They count as much as uh, you know if they happened in you know May or April or June or any other month. Uh, and and so on the one hand, that does mean that the Indians have kind of vaulted up to become World Series favorites according to our ratings. Uh, and so we can expect them to you know that this has said something about their true quality as a team and the Dodgers have fallen now they're not only not in first place they're not even in second place they've been passed by the Washington Nationals and really just would take like a good series by the Yankees or the Red Sox and the the Dodgers might find themselves in like fifth place which would have been unthinkable a month ago yet at the same time there's this temptation because September is of course the the very last month of regular season play that we have before the playoffs begin to maybe put extra emphasis on that and to think that this tells us something, you know, especially meaningful about how these two teams are going to play, even above and beyond what we already knew from the previous five months of track record that the teams have. And the data says that that's not true. This uh, That September doesn't mean anything more or less than any other month of the season. And these streaks could have happened earlier in the season and we would be having a completely different narrative. And yet at the same time, you know, nothing material about the team's odds of winning the World series would change so it does provide kind of an interesting contrast but maybe not a test case no matter what happens in the playoffs uh you know i don't think that we the the temptation will be to try to pin it back on oh well the dodgers seem doomed and that's why you know maybe they if they don't win the world series that's why or or vice versa but you know statistically there's there's nothing really there that suggests that there's some momentum effect coming out of the regular season Okay, but you mentioned that the Cleveland Indians up until this win streak had a run differential that would suggest that they should have won more games than they Mm -hmm. had won. What happens when we look at the Dodgers? Was there a run differential that suggests that they had been lucky up until this point? I'm sure it wouldn't account for, you know, losing 16 of 17, but was there anything to suggest that they, that their play was higher than their actual performance. I'm sorry. that they're, let, let me cut in yeah. really quick there before Neil jumps on. What's strange is that the Dodgers are the first team to ever win 15 of 16 and lose. In the same season. 15 of 16 ever. in, in the, the same season. Yeah. And and also, just real quick, uh, I misspoke. It's the, the record for a win streak is 21 games by the Cubs, not 22 games. And so the Indians are, are super close to breaking that. We remember the Moneyball A's. 2002 A's, yeah. That uh, had 20 games and then they, they lost. Sorry, Neil. So go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, with the Indians, that this kind of a run, maybe not quite this good, but some kind of run in which they sustained uh, some wins over, you know, a short period of time, uh, you could kind of see coming, right, because of that underlying statistical, you know, makeup of the team. And, and you could say, well, they're probably going to get hot at some point and, and catch up to their run differential. But, yeah, uh, in terms of the Dodgers, their run differential was outstanding for, for the majority of the season. There was nothing really there that suggested that they would be, you know, headed for some kind of horrible tailspin. They were playing up to, you know, it wasn't a case like, for instance, you know, this, this wasn't a team that challenged for any kind of win record, but the Texas Rangers last year were a team that uh, won a lot of one-run games, had like a historic record in those times, types of games. And you could kind of say, oh, well, you know, they were outplaying their their 
actual you know underlying talent and so that was going to come back to earth at some point the Dodgers were blowing people out there's a graph uh, on their page at baseball reference that shows sort of like you know the the margin of victory in each game and these green bars going upward for wins and red ones for for losses and the green bars are really tall for the for the Dodgers uh, during the season when they were winning games they were they were not winning them by small margins uh, in in most cases is it simply possible to chalk up this stretch for the Dodgers to luck just simply to the fact that if you look at like the three pillars well, of pitching bullpen and hitting that it just so happens that they've had this stretch where when one is decent the other is down and they it's is it even possible to say the, that the weird thing or, about or a are streak, we learning something the weird thing about streak is that you need everything to go wrong, obviously, in order to have a losing streak like this, and you could see, I think, them go three, two and eight, or three and seven over a ten game span. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we're here talking about about it. No. If that's the case, right? We call it a swoon. The same way that the Indians. I mean, remember the Astros were extremely hot uh, before the All Star break, right? Right. And people were talking about it, but it wasn't. They you didn't have this one streak number to, to hang on it, um, to, to hang their hotness on, and so. We're used to teams being really good or really bad for a certain stretch. It's when the streak enters into it that it starts to capture the imagination, I think, to your point, Kate, about whether there's luck or not involved. But luck or not is always involved, streak or no, I think. Yeah, and uh, you know, with the Dodgers, they're not losing these games by small margins in, in some cases. I mean, they got really kind of routed by the Rockies uh, in a four-game series. They lost 8-1 to one in one of the games, 9-1 to one in another one. They lost 13 to nothing against Arizona um, about a week ago. And so these are not you know, sort of the types of games that you would expect to just be chalked up to bad luck in in close games. And by the same token, Cleveland beat Detroit on Monday by 11 runs, 11 to to nothing. And they've also had, you know, five nothing wins, 11 to two over the White Sox uh, last week. So in that sense, there, it's not luck as much as it is these teams are just pounding away. But I think in the in the bigger sense of why, you know, we know that in baseball, a team can have, you know, projected talent for 90 wins, say, going into a season. And they could finish anywhere between 80 wins and 100 wins very easily. Um, and, and we shouldn't even bat an eye over that. So the, the amount of sort of noise around any given team's actual sort of underlying ability, also to the extent that we can even measure that, is pr- a lot bigger than we would think and uh, that we would like to think and also a lot bigger than we would see in other sports such as basketball where, you know, if you project the Cavaliers to win 63 games, they're probably not going to stray from that very much unless, like, uh, you know, the projection was wrong or a lot of things kind of come together right at the same time in terms of team chemistry. So baseball is a sport where, you know, it's just inherently unpredictable, and that leads to uh, streaks like this happening probably more than we think they would so, happen. Okay, so let's talk about baseball streaks versus other sport streaks, because I'm, I've been trying to make sense of that. It seems because of, and I, I don't know if I have this right, because of the amount of luck in baseball, a 19-game streak, let's just say what the Indians have now as we record, is impressive because so much can go wrong or right depending on your pitcher or the opposing pitcher or whatever else. Whereas in basketball, a team's true, true, true talent is on more display in each game, as we've talked about at length. 
in basketball, that that rocket streak that was set not too long ago was what twenty two something games as well. I think it was twenty two. Yeah. So I'm trying to make sense of whether the Indians' accomplishment is more impressive because luck could doom it, or if the Rockets' accomplishment, for example, is more impressive because that's a display of talent in a more evident way. Does, does that does that sort of tension make sense? It seems like it's more of like a personal belief about what you ascribe value to like because for the Rockets you're just watching talent and if you love understanding and seeing and being able to articulate the greatness of it you have it there on display whereas with something like the Cleveland Indians it's more of like this metaphysical like what is your belief structure that something can align so dramatically to allow that so what I loved about the Warriors going 73 and 9 was that it was the display of talent, right? That was very evident that 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 team was an all-time great team, no matter what happened in the playoffs. To me, though, that's that talent should be measured by record. Streaks, by their nature, are something that is about a confluence of events in a given time span that in some ways is divorced from everything that happens outside of that streak. You could say the same thing for a hitting streak. And so, I, to me, what feels more special is a baseball winning streak than a basketball one that because like faith to me in a lot of ways yeah i mean because there there are there are more ineffable things involved to that have to align to, to get it to happen and i think the rocket streak from 2008 is especially interesting because we've seen teams like you mentioned the warriors uh the 2013 heat also had a 27 game winning streak those teams were kind of pegged to be amazing teams uh, and collections of talent before they ever set foot on the court. So seeing them win that many consecutive games in a sport that's super deterministic like basketball probably wasn't that surprising, um, all things considered. There were probably other teams that were, you know, 65 to 70 win type teams that could have gone on super long streaks and maybe just had like, you know, one loss that came at the back end of a back-to-back or something like that. And they would be on the list, you know, the, the 96 Bulls or something like that. The 2008 Houston Rockets, aside from that 22-game winning streak, they went 33-27 and 27 hmm. in the season. They were barely better than a 500 team other than that one distinct 22-game stretch. That, to me, you know, even putting aside what you were mentioning about sort of the, the kind of you know, all the things that can go wrong to prevent a long streak in in baseball from happening, which I totally get. Uh, Something just very deeply interesting about a team that really is kind of nothing more than kind of an average team aside from the streak, just going on this ridiculous tear uh, and, and, you know, kind of being up there with other teams that it probably, on just the strength of the roster, had no business being next to, uh, if you think about who was on that 2008 Rockets team. That, to me, is is really interesting. I'm not sure, you know, it's necessarily better. Like Kate said, it's kind of a value judgment. But I do like the idea that if the Rockets can do it, then maybe any, you know, kind of 500-ish team can rise up and find a 22-game winning streak inside of itself. But if we're looking at top teams that go on streaks, I think what stands out to me is how in baseball versus basketball, was, we've set up the dichotomy, the lack of agency ascribed to the Dodgers pulling themselves out of their own streak is surprising to me. Like, you read anything about it, even the players themselves, it's like the Dodgers themselves have no agency in the matter. It's every night they walk into the clubhouse. I mean, you read these stories, and it's like that's when the storm will lift. And then they walk in almost like bewildered at what's going on. Whereas 
if this was happening in the NBA, if some team was on that was a decent team was on that kind of losing streak, it would be they're not trying hard enough that they're the chemistry is off. We would be able to articulate the problem, and in baseball, it's like we just pray to the gods. <laughs> and maybe there's something there about also in baseball, we we tend to kind of take the the high points of a team, so the Dodgers of you know a month ago or a month and a half ago, as being more indicative of their true quality than you know the low points when we say, oh, they'll break out of this funk, they'll eventually get out of it. But I think. The high points and the low points, and you know, they they don't have to be consecutive game streaks, but they're you know a disproportionate number of wins in a in a number of games or losses in a number of games. Those are the only things that really distinguish baseball teams from each other. If you think they play 162 games and the teams are pretty tightly packed between about 70 to 75 wins uh, on the low side and 95 to 100 on the high side, that's not that much of a difference between the best and the worst teams. That's you know one of these runs maybe takes you from being a 500 team to putting you in that kind of upper echelon of teams. And so it might just be there isn't that much difference between most baseball teams and the team that happens to have the kind of great run uh, of, of, you know, wins uh, almost by chance, but maybe, you know, they, they are a little bit, you know, good in that direction or maybe at the other end a little bit bad. That determines the whole arc of a season, whereas we would never expect a team you know, like the LeBron Cavs or, or the Heat or something like that when he was on them to just by chance one year win like 20 games. Like that just couldn't happen in basketball. Uh, and it speaks to the, again, the randomness between the two sports, I think. Yeah, it's what's interesting to, of, what, of what you said, Kate, is that we wouldn't say that the team that had won a lot of games were just had prayed to the gods in the right way. We'd say they found a new gear that mm-hmm. they've, they were uh, seeing the ball really. Yeah, well. exactly. That they, that one player adjusted his swing, you know, based on one session with the hitting coach and that's unlocked his whole whatever. And that is like a mere image of the fatalism in some ways, which is that it's, it's, it's pretending as though there's determination, self-determination from the players <laughs> when actually to Neil's point, there was just sort of like a faded aspect to it. But then I worry that we turn these, uh, players especially in baseball into stratomatic baseball players did you play that ever Kate, yeah growing up? yeah where you have like the 20-sided die or whatever and and you roll the dice and based on what number pops up you look at what was supposed to happen and that's all probabilistically determined based on people's you know batting average and stuff like that and that makes it feel like well all they do is get up and swing and sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't and I feel like on this podcast, we spent three years talking about the limits of that kind of thinking and when personal psychology and motivation and hotness. And how about health? I mean, that health. in baseball, uh, which is such sort of a, a game of attrition in a lot of ways, maybe just being healthy, whether that's a skill or d- the degree to which you're just lucky to avoid injuries, plays a big role as well. Now, I can't explain, you know, the Dodgers have been one of the leading teams in disabled list games lost by its players when they were playing great earlier in this season and even now uh, when, when they're losing. So that's not the case here, but it does it's, does add another wrinkle for baseball. Well, if I go back to what you said, I'm going to make a larger point about faith in general here, but isn't that kind of how human beings work is when things go great, it's like praise and and when things struggle, that's it's not the fault of your faith. I know I'm making mm-hmm. like a very, yeah. but I mean, that's kind of how the human brain works is when something's going great, you want to find out the specific things to praise. And when it's going poorly, you'd rather not point out 
the specific flaws that has led to that. You'd rather wait for you'd the rather, good stuff happening and then you can praise it. Right, you'd rather say, well, that's just that's just bad luck and let's wait again. I mean, and I like that. I mean, I like that quality because you it makes more sense as you follow a team. You want to f- understand the things that lead to wins. I mean, you want to understand why it leads to losses, but as like a fan, right, you just, you'd rather say collective like storm cloud and let's get back to understanding the greatness of each individual player. Yeah, and in a season where there's 30 teams playing this number of games, there's probably going to be some teams at some point during the season that just go on streaks uh, and and have you know either really successful or really unsuccessful runs. Just like if everyone was Stratomatic cards, you would see that type of of thing happen, and it would be attributed to you know even if you knew it was perfectly luck based and and Stratomatic based, uh, there would be some narrative that you could attach to it and and kind of talk about it in, in a way that would deny the 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 role of chance in it that's why it's so difficult especially in baseball to figure out like sabermetricians always hammer away at this idea of like what's luck and what's skill uh and and trying to kind of disentangle those two things is kind of the core of of you know baseball analysis all right i think let's leave it there now that we've delved into religion Whenever um, you take a turn into religion, you got to leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> There's no more depth to be mined from any conversation about religion. Or stratomatic. <laughs> and is there any difference between religion and stratomatic, Neil? That is know the eternal like. question. Let's, uh, let's move on to our significant digit when a telling number from the world of sports arrives. At our doorstep. This week, I think the telling number should be zero, and it's a telling number about ourselves. Zero <laughs> is the number of baseball teams that we root for that are going to make the Major League Baseball Don't we playoffs? all root for we the all Mets? Root for the <laughs> same we all team. root for the Mets. And so I bring this up to say, I think we need backup teams. And I think it's worth spending a few minutes, and maybe we can do a full deeper dive in a later show, depending on if we have our metrics out. But like, what is it that people should be looking for in a backup right. team? I think that's what I'm interested in. Well, the I think the starting question here is, in your backup team... Do you want a team that's like a proxy to your main team or do you want to go 180 degrees? Like it's kind of like if you if you're lucky enough to buy a second house, if you have one in the city, you certainly want one, I would assume, in the woods or on the beach. You don't just want another one in the middle of the city. And there might also be some like George Costanza theory going on there where like everything that the team that you liked did was wrong. So if you pick the opposite of that, then maybe the team that you pick will win the World Series. So if we all like the Mets and we all agree that we want the beach house to complement the city condo, which we're all, I'm sure, owners in New York City, right? Of course. We won't go down there. <laughs> who is, which team is the opposite of the Mets? Or did I get too detailed too quickly? No, I mean, for our personal purposes, I think that would be a contact-heavy team. Oh, my God. See, I went more like... Oh, more you want like, narrative? Yeah, I went more like history and vibe. And- <laughs> Isn't it just the Yankees? <laughs> it is just the Yankees, um, if you're going there. I mean, to me, I want to watch baseball that brings me pleasure as opposed to pain. Like, And I don't mean that just like winning baseball as opposed to not. It so happens that our baseball team, the Mets, play really ugly baseball right now. <laughs> they play baseball in which it's all home runs, there's really bad pitching, and you just hope that like the barrel of the bat hits on the right way on the right day and then that's enough and that's not fun to root for does that mean that i want to root for a version of the royals uh from from 2015 who defeated the mets with all sort of singles 
slap hitting, a team of speed, um, and decent enough pitching that sort of keeps you in the game. I don't know. Is that and who's who is that this year? Neil is it the Astros? No, I mean maybe the Diamondbacks might fit that that uh, criteria. They're kind of a fast team. They do have some power, but uh, they also you know are uh, take advantage of opportunities on the base pass. Uh, the thing that's interesting for me, I, I kind of don't come at it from – you guys are talking about like almost like playing styles. I don't want to really come at it from that direction, but I did want to kind of get a team that sort of was under the radar uh, so it wouldn't be bandwagon jumping to kind of pick up on a team. So you want pride when they win. You don't want to feel ashamed. I don't want to – well, I mean obviously I take no you wanna pride in You want to feel like you it. invested low. Yeah, I want to buy low on this team and then have them sort of, you know, exceed expectations. I'm not asking for a World Series. It's not actually my team. But, uh, you know, to me, the Cleveland Indians, ironically enough, were that team before they started this run because they had you the, knew them when. the gap you between. You were eyeing them. We had the gap I between the, <laughs> the run differential and the actual record. But the problem now is after this <laughs> winning streak, they're too hot. I, I guess I'm like a hipster of backup baseball teams. Like, I want to get in on, on the ground floor when they're performing at like the small so you look know, at the run bar. differentials now who who is the team that's likely to make the playoffs who has been a little bit okay so, so far? if we, we could try another way if i could just throw yeah. one out there sure mo i guess not mo i don't know what the percentage would be of people whose parents came from the same town as opposed to from two different places mm-hmm. i will say my backup team has always been the boston red sox because my mom grew up in new england and my dad grew up in New York, and we lean towards the Mets. Even my mom does now. But I always have the Red Sox on the back burner. So if you have parents who come from one from each different place, well, then you've got your backup team right there. Yeah. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work I for you? I think, though, if you, if, if you were raised in a household that had the Red Sox on, then that's one thing. But if it sounds like you weren't, that, that it was like Mets pre – quickly no my mom stayed loyal to the okay. red sox for then, a little while then but then the, the mets sox. took over in the last decade yeah but i guess what i'm searching for is a team out of nowhere that i can just start rooting for for familial a month. that's the one yeah saying. and so and to me i i'm leaning towards the rockies personally i'll, I'll disclose you've that been on you. that rockies train all i saw season. them in person twice i also saw them in la when i when i is saw it the game purple? last week you love the purple those are some ugly hats and ugly <laughs> uniforms that the rockies are wearing no it's that charlie blackman is sneakily an MVP candidate that no one talks about at the top of the lineup, is that Nolan Arenado, I, I pay my own money to get him on the Mets. He's such a delight to watch in the field and at the plate. And it's that the most tenured pitcher that they have is like he was with the team for two years. One of the years he was recovering from testicular cancer. It's like this is a team that has a lot of really good young narratives waiting to be written, and I'm ready to write them with the Rockies. See, I, I mean, I know you guys are leaning towards style of play. I'm, I could root for the Rockies because I went to school out there. Yeah. I, I, I find it very hard to have a backup team that I can't point to any kind you of personal parachute. allegiance yeah. to. You don't want to just like show up I, and I say, hey, guys, I'm you know, ready for the party. You know what's not fun to explain to people that I chose them based on style of play? <laughs> well, I looked at the run differentials <laughs> yeah. and you see this. <laughs> it's the opposite of the Mets. So I went with them. No one would be like, no. I, I went to school there, therefore they're my backup team. Yeah. That works for me. Yeah, but I that could feels, lead to the Rockies. That feels a little bit too much like, you know, they're competing on the same grounds and the same bases as your 
regular team, right? So, like, you know, your regular team has all of these kind of deep connections, uh, and, and so that kind of provides the reasoning for. So you want your reading. hall pass to just be something totally make different. it count. Yeah, make it count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Have a hall pass. <laughs> all right. So Neil, it sounds like you're. I might be with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay. I mean, okay. so, yeah, the the Indians. Well, you guys tell me. If I kind of make the Indians my bandwagon no, team no. for the playoffs now after they've won this many games, that feels so cheap. That just does not feel right. Uh, do you guys agree with this? I agree. Go for like the 7-1 uh, to one horse, and that's the Diamondbacks. I don't know. They, the Indians suffered, let's not forget, a Oh, they had a crushing loss in the, World in the World Series. So it's not as though you're like, you would be part of a redemption narrative, and I think there's power to that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, but you would have jumped really late onto this path to the redemption narrative. I, I do feel like the Diamondbacks, you'll ha- you'll get more value out of it, I think. Yeah, there aren't that many Diamondback fans yeah. out there. I, sorry, I'm sorry to belabor this. But you're not going <laughs> to get more value out of this because you're not rooting for them past October. So actually, you want to be rooting for a team that you're going to get the most value from in that 30-day span. Therefore, a team that's likely to win the World Series. So it's okay to jump on the bandwagon. I think this is the hall pass for the bandwagon is what I'm trying to say. I guess I just can't get into knowing that the Indians are right now the front runners percentage wise to win the World Series and then you pick them. I still no matter who I pick, I'm a Mets fan, I still want to feel like I'm picking the hipster team. All right. So the and then there's talk- another question. Oh, we could do we could do this for like twenty more about minutes. About whether so. you whether it's okay to pick a team that's in the same league or God forbid division. As your favorite you can't team, pick the same division. can't pick That's the division. Heresy. Washington Nationals Set boundaries way challenges. out, Come on. way <laughs> out on this. Uh, it's almost like a process of elimination in some ways, right? Because if you think about the playoff teams, you can't pick the Cubs. They're the defending champs. You can't do that. Can't pick the Yankees. I mean, I can't pick I the can't, Yankees. I can't. No, no. no right cannot happen. Person. No right thinking person. Uh, the Red Sox I was fine with up until the cheating scandal, and then it's, you know, seems a little We should know, too, bit. that for much of the country, the Red Sox are the Yankees. And the Red Sox yeah. are equivalent with the Yankees for the most part. The Astros, I would get on the Astros bandwagon. That That is open better when to they me. had the hill in That's center open field. That's open to me. What are you do? Yeah, you can't do anything about that. Tal's Hill, is that what it was called? <laughs> with the flagpole. Uh, <laughs> in play. The Dodgers, out of the question. Out of the question. People will yell at us if I don't mention that the Minnesota Twins are another team. They have next to no chance of winning the World Series, according to our model, but they could be the second wild card. They've, they've, you know, they're in that position right Andy now. Has been trying to get and you have worn a Twins hat in the past, Chad. Minnesota. I think the Twins could Minneapolis work for you. Minneapolis is a great city. That's yeah, I've heard and, great yes, things. And the Twins hat was what I wore when the Mets went to the World Series. That's right. So maybe. So I think you're Twins. I'm a Rocky. I'm Diamondbacks. I'm you're Rockies. Oh, you're Rocky. Yeah, and I'll root with you when the Rockies are on. All you right, have right. a backup, backup team now. <laughs> I said it was the Rockies team. Then you guys assigned me the Twins in the last thirty seconds. What do you want me to do? All right, fine. You can join me on the Rockies band. Maybe right. you could get one of those like split I hats. Do, I, have a, I already have a Blackman T-shirt, so I'm good to go. All right, good. We settled it. That, yeah, that was, that was you know easy. Uh, all right, that will do it for this week's show. Thanks to Kate Fagan. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Chad. Kate, can we get like a plush doll of Starkey there? Oh my oh, god! I'm going to commission that. Build a bear. I don't care how much it takes. Literal build a bear. There is a service. Sorry, we're a lot of asides in this show, but there is a service. It's our third to last show. We're allowed. In which you send pictures of your pet into service. Oh, I've I've done it. Oh, I've done it. And they make a little toy. You've done it? Yes. Kate, you send your dog into the stuffed plush thing. A picture of my dog into the Yeah, the and they twin. made a real... They make a... It was Jaxie, my French bulldog, and they sent you back a little tiny... It's Kate, smaller than oh you can. I'm not going to say how much that costs on air, but I've seen how no, much that like, costs. it was like 100 bucks. Really? Yeah, for a stuffed animal. <laughs> you must love your dog. I do. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Neil Payne, thanks for talking about support. But it supports pets and dogs, That's too. That's what's Goes really good important. Place. Uh, thanks, Chad. <laughs> I can say I have not spent $100 on replicating a stuffed animal. Are you animal. anti-pet? I, I got a French no, bulldog. Got cats. Oh, that's right. You've got I got cats. some cats. Yeah, I'm the only one without ca- uh, pets. Uh-oh. Maybe I'm the heartless one. Yeah. The, yeah the you tried to pin mocking. this on me, you twins fan. <laughs> Our podcast producer is Katie Ferguson. Our intern is Kate Bakhtiarova. Kate's first week. Welcome, Kate. We got production assistance from Tony Chow. You can email us at podcast538.com. We would love to hear what you think and to hear what you think the name of the new NBA podcast should be. Find us on your favorite podcasting app on Apple Podcasts as well. Go to iTunes.com slash 538. While you're there, review and or rate the show. It helps others discover the program in these waning moments. Uh, our theme song is by Mystery Mansion. I'm Chadwick Matlin. Talk to you next time.